1: You are listening to the
0: Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast coming to you from Montecito, California. Hey, before we begin this show, I have to uh, remind you that uh, we have another podcast, and that podcast is called Sapio, S-A-P-I-O, with Buck Joffrey. And that's adding to this whole wealth thing, but not in your pocket. We're talking about adding years to your life instead. And that's a show that is going to be focused heavily on longevity science. There'll be other stuff too, but I've been doing a lot of this myself. And, uh, you know, I, I feel better. I think I look better. And I have a feeling I'm probably uh, going to make me live a little bit longer. So I would highly recommend. That you check out what I'm learning because it is really kind of uh, crazy, but I do think that we are on the precipice of being able to live a lot longer and better than we currently do, right? Like, so, in other words, I think that if you can potentially stay healthy with the things that we do know right now, some of the longevity hacks, so to speak, that If you make it another 10, 15 years in great health, there's a good chance that you may be able to take advantage of some pretty extraordinary technology that's around the corner. Anyway, check it out, Sapio with Buck Joffrey. And uh, when you're there, by the way, it would be awesome if you'd give me a review, only if you like it, of course. No, kind of, kind of kidding, not kind of not. But anyway, uh, hey, um, so that's on the positive note. On the negative note... On the negative note, Joe Biden, well, let's just say on the positive note in Joe Biden's head, he says that the economy is strong as hell, but the negative of that statement is that he is unfortunately completely and utterly either delusional, doesn't know what's going on, or he's lying. One of those. I don't know which it is but he's wrong. And by the way, I'm not like, I don't like, I'm not like a Biden hater. You know, I don't hate the guys. So I'm just saying objectively, this is a wrong statement. It reminds me of, you know, when uh, the 2008 thing was happening and, and John McCain, I don't know if anybody remembers this, but uh, he was, he was running for president. I love John McCain, by the way, he was a great, great, American, but uh, he he had mentioned uh, when he was asked about the economy just before Lehman collapsed, he said, well, the fundamentals of the economy are strong. Well, I don't know. Joe Biden's strong as hell. That's his style of saying something like that. But the facts are interest rates increasing at the steepest slope in history over the last year have caused one hell of a serious problem for the economy and I will tell you that I, I am come to the conclusion that all hell is about to break loose. Right now, I'm not that guy. I've said it before. I'm not the zombie apocalypse type of guy. Right, I'm not. I'm not out there like digging uh, holes and hiding my silver and all that kind of stuff. But I did see some shady looking dead people walking around with silver dollars in my backyard, and I'm I'm a little bit concerned. I have to tell you. But seriously, bankruptcies are up 216% on the year, higher than the 2008 crisis, and double that during COVID lockdowns. This is before a recession has even been declared, right? That doesn't sound strong as hell to me. Banks aren't lending, and that's the reason right much like they did in 2008 they're sitting on bailout money and not only does this cause bankruptcies but it also keeps healthy companies from thriving and basically expanding and so we're not seeing that necessarily in employment numbers but we almost certainly will right like this is like this is like the canary in the coal mine the federal reserve in my view is completely screwed us uh, by the way this handled. Um, you know, they didn't they didn't raise rates uh, when they should have early on when it was clear that inflation was ramping up. They printed tons of money and then they just hit us with these crazy rate increases. And, um, you know, and then on the other hand, we've got an administration that appears to be blind on the problems that we face, obviously. So... It could take a while before we dig ourselves out of this uh, impending mess, right? And the bad news is the real estate investors are not immune from the carnage. We are not. That is, uh, that's just not the case. We, you know, we rely heavily on debt and those rates have made the markets illiquid and have significantly affected property values. So we need to come to grips that there is a good chance that many of us are going to lose money in the next few months. It just, it, I know I'm, I know I've already lost money. I know I'm going to lose money, but it's important to put things in context. The ride has been fun. The ride up has been fun and people who bought and sold anything between 2009 and 2021. Well, invariably it was a win unless, you know, you were incompetent, but that's not how market works. Everybody loses sometimes. Everybody loses sometimes and we have to we have to come to grips with that. And the key to understanding that um, th- that concept and getting comfortable with it is what you have to do is you have to win more times than you lose. And that means learning lessons when you lose. And it also means not giving up, right? If you have a thesis and you believe in it, don't give up just because you got hit, you know, during this mess. Cuz it's going to happen again. And then you're going to ride up again and you're going to make a bunch of money and you're going to be smart about it. And you're going to you're going to hedge your risk sometimes, you know, and 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 you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine because you're smart and you're thinking about this stuff. Nothing that happens in this next year is going to kill you. So don't you know, don't lose sleep over it. It's going to pass. But, you know, know it's coming because it is. It's a big, big mess. My uh, guest on Wealth Formula podcast this week, she's written a great deal about sort of the psychology of investing, and that's what I thought it would be appropriate given the carnage that I just described. Um, and uh, she's talked about psychology of investing, especially as it relates to retirement and that kind of thing. So, anyway, listen to this interview. Maybe uh, maybe it'll help you get you know some perspective and help you navigate uh, on the headwinds before us. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest on Wealth Formula Podcast is Emily Guy Birkin. She is a Plutus Award winning personal finance writer and author of The Five Years Before You Retire and co-author of Stacked, your super serious guide to modern money management, as well as three other books on personal finance. Emily, uh, welcome to Wealth Formula Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So um, yeah, let's get into this, right? Um, So The five years uh, before you retire. First of all, why the five years? What are you talking about there?
1: So uh, five years is kind of what I think of as go time before retirement. Yeah. Uh, When you are younger, you know, in your 30s and 40s, retirement seems like this faraway country that you'll never actually reach, you know, so it can be hard to prioritize. Um, even once you get 10 years out, um, that is often when a lot of people have a lot of competing, um, needs for their finances, you know, they've got kids in college or getting married, they have elderly parents, but in that five years before you retire, that's when like, oh, it's, it's a (laughs) common. And, uh, what do I need to get, um, my ducks in a row? And even if you've been diligently saving the entire time even if you feel like you've got a great handle on what you need to do for your nest egg, there's still that question of like, okay, well, I've been accumulating assets. How do I access them in retirement? Uh, what am I going to do about health insurance when I'm retired? Um, wait a minute. How, uh, what do I need to worry about with taxes? So it kind of gets to all of those logistical um, little uh, issues that come up that you are not necessarily spending your time thinking about when you're in the accumulation and career phase of your life. Um, but then suddenly kind of loom large and can be overwhelming, um, once you're in that kind of five years before you retire.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, how does self-awareness about your relationship with money help determine, um, I guess a, what you might call a retirement plan?
1: Mm hmm. Uh, So the way that I look at money can sound kind of woo woo for people who are very much like, okay, red ink, black ink, dollars and cents. I can do this. Um, But the thing about money is that it doesn't actually exist in nature. Uh, We made it up. And so because we made it up, we project our own feelings onto it. So that could be, you know, whatever you learned in childhood about money, if your parents struggled and so you think of money as safety because you felt unsafe as a child or if um, you had uh, parents who gave you everything, um, then that could affect the way that you see money because you see that as a way of showing love. So I think that it is very important for us to really think through and unpack our beliefs about money, because oftentimes they are going to be in there so deep. We don't even know they're there. Uh, And that's partially because we don't talk about money in our society. So um, one of my favorite stories about my mom, um, because we form these beliefs in childhood. And we form lots of beliefs in childhood, but most of them we get disabused. Uh, so my mom, when she was a very, very little girl, thought that doctors weren't allowed to get sick or else they'd go to jail. Um, and, uh, and I'd be serving
0: was, a life sentence by now for that.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, maybe I am. Um, And that was, I mean, and when I say little girl, I think she was like four at the time. And it was made logical sense to a four-year-old. And because we do talk, you know, about doctors, we talk about illness, we talk about jail. You know, she wasn't much older before someone told her, no, 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 honey, that's not correct. But when you form a view of money when you're about four years old and we don't talk about it, it stays there because no one says, no, no, honey, you don't need to give things that that cost money to show that you love someone. We don't say that because right. and so we just continue to build on that. So when we have these deep seated beliefs, they can cause us to have reactions to money that uh, are disproportionate to what the actual input is or could cause us to make disordered money choices that are not going to get us closer to our goals. And we'll be frustrated and angry and not even know why, um because, it, you know, we just have this immediate reaction like, no, 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 can't do that. Or no, 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 I have to do that. uh And not even necessarily realize why. And once we kind of take the time to separate out, like, what is this belief that I'm following Does it actually fit with my goals? Does it make me? feel good as a parent, as a doctor, as, um, a spouse, uh, you know, w- whatever the most important role in your life is, then you can start saying like, okay, I don't need to follow that belief and I can make this choice instead. And that'll lead to, you know, better outcome with my financial goals. I'll feel happier. I'll feel better. Uh, and that I think is something that we just don't do enough of.
0: So how does that relate to this, Um uh- you know, you're 45 years old and, you know, maybe you haven't thought of this uh, thing called retirement. And and so how, how does that, how does that affect that?
1: Well, one of the things I think happens is, um, we get so focused on, I want to solve this problem. Like it's an algebra equation. So, you know, how much do I need to retire? And I, you know, I've determined that I need $7 million to retire. Um, and Oh my goodness, right now I only have 3 million and I'm not going to make it. And like, I will have failed. So, the the issue is you are focusing on the wrong aspect of the equation because like that's just a number that doesn't actually tell you what your retirement is going to look like or if it's going to meet your needs. So I like to suggest to people instead of thinking through like, OK, you know, how much money do you need each year to to all of this, blah, 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 blah. Start with what does an ideal day in retirement look like for you? What does an ideal week, an ideal month, an ideal year And by going through that and thinking through like, okay, you know, an ideal day, when do I wake up? What do I have for breakfast? What do I do that day? Who am I spending time with? Um, What is the weather like? Where am I? (laughs) Um, And then going through that with a, a week, a month and a year can help you figure out what is it that you need to feel good in retirement? What are the things that are going to make you feel satisfied and content in retirement? And then you can work backwards from there of like, well, how can I get that with the nest egg I have? Or what am I missing in what I'm planning financially that I might need that is not necessarily going to be like another 4 million dollars in my nest egg it might just be like oh okay i just need to make sure i have enough to be able to travel to the seaside every every year or you know visit with my grandchildren or whatever that is So if you start from a place of knowing yourself and knowing what is most important to you, you can kind of let go of the financial side of it um, and just recognize you need to find a way to make your money work for your vision rather than have your entire vision taken up with the amount of money you have.
0: Yeah, you know, I think that the challenge for me sometimes is when I think about, when I try to think about the way, because that's, you know, it is a, it is a different way of thinking, but it's still sort of in that um, that fairly conventional idea of you know how much is it going to take, how much am I going to need, mm-hmm. and and I think that that's fine, but I think that the challenge for me uh, when I think about that is, I think uh, you you kind of alluded to sort of uh, the algebraic part of this, mm-hmm. and um, the even if you determine what those needs are and what you want, uh, I think it's very challenging to use the, you know, the, the financial um, advisors often talk about buckets and this one's going to grow at this and this one's going to grow mm-hmm. at that. Um, so I think, I think there's two parts of it, right? Like, yeah, you, you know, in order to achieve this certain kind of life, uh you may need these kinds of resources obviously you're gonna need to put some kind of number in there for inflation mm-hmm, and it mm-hmm. may not be two percent like <laughs> it's been for a while. uh <laughs> but but on the other hand um but on the other hand the 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 question of like you know how you get there and what are the tools to get there Is your message more about the former or the latter uh
1: I think my message is. More about um, kind of letting go of any sense of there being a right way to do things, Mm -hmm. Um, because that is often how it is um, framed in both financial media and when you meet with a financial advisor. Sure, sure. So... um, and, you know, some of that is because a lot of financial media is, is uh, it, it's just entertainment. You know, you, you like people call in to get yelled at by a financial guru yeah, yeah. and and we all call, uh, we all listen in because it's kind of funny and, and there's a little bit of schadenfreude and like, okay, at least I'm not doing that badly. Um, but that gives this idea that there's a right way to do it. And if you get it wrong, everything will fall apart. Um, and so you get that with like financial advisors saying, you know, like, okay, well, you have these different buckets and you do it this way and do it this way. Um, people kind of get like, oh gosh, well, I, I'm not sure if I'm doing it right. or like, yeah. oh, did I choose the right buckets or did I choose the right investments? Are my asset allocation what it, optimal? Because it took a downturn last year. Should I move right. it? Should I do this? Should I leave it? Um, and so I I want people to um, kind of let go of some of the stress that they feel about money, um, which I know that's a tall order. (laughs) Um, You know, it's just like, don't stress about money. It's like telling someone don't panic. It it doesn't really help. (laughs) I think a
0: lot of people, I think, you know, I don't remember statistics on this, but like, you know, the, the, the number of people who are afraid of running out of money before they die Mm -hmm. more than they're afraid of death is significant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so I think, you know, and, and, and particularly these days, I mean, we don't live in a, in a world where there's, um, you know, the same type of uh, setup as it used to be where, you know, social security is going to, or your pension not social security, but your pension plan, you know, from working in the factory for 50 years and it's going to take care of you. And, you know, you only live for five years after you retire anyway and everybody's mm-hmm. happy. The company's happy. Your dad, you're, you know, you've got taken care of for five years and you know, all so on and so forth. So I think that's, that's the challenge. So sy- from a psychological standpoint, um, yeah, it's a, it's a tall order, but um, yeah, tell us, I mean, tell us more how you would suggest doing that.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. the first thing I think is helpful is this kind of, is kind of embracing a bit of uh, financial nihilism. Um, And that is, um, uh, so some of my, my beliefs about money stem from a very odd place. Um, And that is, uh, there was a a, um, a graphic novel by Art Spiegelman called mouse. And it was a, um, it was a comic book um, that's um, kind of semi biographical about his father um, living through the Holocaust. Um, And one of the things, so his father was incredibly good with money. Um, He was the kind of person who could, you know, meet a person and make a handshake deal and all of a sudden have, you know, like have all these ways of making money uh and he managed to continue doing that even once he and his wife were put in the ghetto and they were not their their money and their their uh, property was taken away he managed to find things that he could um trade for to be able to sell to still make money to take care of his wife and and his child and then once he went into the um concentration camp same thing even though there was no money in the concentration camp he figured out ways to wheel and deal to get better treatment himself and his wife to get a little more food and those sorts of things what that taught me was that there is nothing stopping the universe, the world, you know, people with pitchforks coming and taking everything away from me. They cannot take away my skills, and so that's what I mean by by embracing kind of financial nihilism, recognizing that you know if. And, and I'll use this example because it feels a little less fraught than talking about uh, uh, hol- the Holocaust. But like if, for example, we have a zombie apocalypse or, you know, the asteroids coming or, <laughs> you know, there's uh, um, some sort of major. <laughs> <laughs> they're very useful. But, you know, so we have the zombie apocalypse and um, you are going to find that everything is crashed. So, yes, like Warren Buffett will have a a, a bit of a um, head start because he's got private jets to fly away to the places where the zombies aren't. But eventually he's going to be, you know, having to uh, um, hammer in plywood over the windows as well. So by kind of embracing that financial nihilism, recognizing that all of this is made up um, and No matter what the world can take away from you, it can't take away your knowledge, your skills, your attitude, your abilities. Um, That I find to be very freeing, Um, especially when you start thinking about things like, what if I run out of money before I die? Because when you think of it that way, now, you know, obviously, if you're thinking about like, if I'm 90 and I have no money, like you're not going to be able to go back to work. But don't think of it that way. Think of it like, okay, I'm in my 60s. I'm not sure if I have enough for retirement. What are things that I can do to be a gift for my 90 year old self? What are things I can do now to take care of my future self? And so, you know, once you start thinking of it that way and thinking um, kind of a very self-directed sense of like, no matter what happens. And for instance, uh, in 2015, I wrote a book about social security. Three weeks after I turned my uh, my draft in, um, Congress with a stroke of a pen, changed Social Security, which invalidated 50% of the book I had just written. Um, I try not to complain about that too much because there were a bunch of people who were planning on retiring within the next six months who their entire plan was, was screwed up because of this. So recognizing that could happen. But you're still you. You still have your power, your talent, your your knowledge, um, your charm, whatever it is that you rely on that makes you good with money. And you can pivot and just recognize that there are always opportunities to, um, to pivot, to make different choices. Um, and that I find very affirming uh, for myself. I know that it can sound kind of depressing. I start with the Holocaust.
0: <laughs> no, I get it. <laughs> but you know, I mean, I think I think basically what you're getting at is the Mike Tyson uh, idea that everybody can have a plan until they get punched in the face,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: And yeah, I mean, we're and, and we are actually living in a kind of a unusual uh, period right now in the economy. Um, you know, the rates going up very quickly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, mm-hmm. I saw a, uh, you know, I saw actually some data that showed, and, and this, you know, I don't, I don't know why this isn't more broadly published in the, but, uh, you know, uh, bankruptcies are actually at 2008 levels right now, which Ooh. is, which is unbelievable. So there's, there's this stuff creeping in, right? Like mm-hmm. we're living in it and there's obviously the markets are not doing great. The real estate markets are getting, you know, destroyed, mm-hmm. but, um, we'll get through it. <laughs> and you know what like it won't get through it i mean you you have these downs and then you have these ups and uh uh yeah it's hard it's hard to think about it that way when you're um when you're in the thick of things but i I think that's Mm kind of what you're getting at right
1: yeah there's um you know the the idea of this too shall pass yeah um which no. I think is no. really important for investors to remember no matter what's happening. You know, when things are going ga- gangbusters, remember this too shall pass. And when you are feeling like down in the dumps because it uh, the the market has just taken a dive, this too shall pass. Um, and that's I think what happens often with money is that people want there to be a kind of stability of answers that there cannot be. Um, so, you know, you will see it with people who, um, you know, embraced like, uh, uh, cryptocurrency. Um, and you know, they, they, I, I don't have anything against cryptocurrency. I think it's a fascinating, um, um, uh, investments. Um, but you, you see people saying like, this is what's going to cure poverty and child hunger. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, I, Really? Um, and it's because we as human beings, we like the idea of there being something stable that we found the answer and we can stop looking. And um, for one thing, I, I don't think that's how it works to be alive. <laughs> um, that definitely is not how it works with finance. There is there is no one answer and then you're done. It is a series of small decisions that you have to keep making. Um, and then just relying on the fact that uh, even when you make a bad decision, you can get up and make a better one next time. Um, You always have another chance to make a a good decision. Um, And, you know, that's the kind of the the optimistic side of the financial nihilism is that, uh, you know, nothing really matters in the, in the immediate moment. Um, what matters is an aggregate. And if you consistently try to make the best decisions you can with the information you have um, and learn from previous mistakes, yeah. uh, you're going to to turn out just fine um, whether or not you reach your specific goals.
0: Um, let's talk about when you're there. Okay. Now you're, Retired. It's kind of funny for me to say retired because I don't. I'm I'm not one of those guys who ever thinks of myself as like not doing something, just playing <laughs> golf or something. But um, but I know some people do look at things that way. And so once you're retired, and say you're no longer working for the income, and you are in that place, and luckily your buckets were balanced just properly, and your you know your plan came to fruition. How does your mindset? Uh, how how does it? Um, how does your mindset have to, to, to shift at that point? Uh,
1: one of the things that can be really tough is for people to feel comfortable actually spending the money that they spent all this time accumulating. Um, there is the sense of, you know, the fear of like, okay, well, what if I take money out of the market at the wrong time? And, you know, I, I, so there, there is that aspect of it. Um, there is, is also, um, Depending on how you retire, there is the um, the kind of loss of self aspect of it as well. Um, if you've been doing the same thing for, you know, 30, 40 years and all of a sudden you're not, um, that can also be a very difficult mindset shift because you are no longer defined by your career, uh, which many of us are in America. And so I think what is very helpful is to do what you can Prior to retirement, to kind of invite retirement into your life before you get there, um, and that's partially because we have this tendency we want things to be very black and white. Like we're working, and boom, we're retired. Um, and life doesn't necessarily work that way. You know, you might take some time off, time off, go on a sabbatical, or you might take some time off to care for family or kids or or something like that. Um, and so, you know, there's that aspect of it. Um, and then there's also just the fact that um, you know if you go like work, 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 finish line, boom, retired, you're going to, you know, maybe have a good few weeks or months and then go, okay, now what? So, um, I think that changing our view of work instead of it being like just something that we do straight, um, I would love to see our society be more open to people taking a little time away and then coming back as, um, as, as they feel comfortable with it, you know, prior to their mid sixties. Um, but I'd also like to see people who are looking towards retirement, finding ways to kind of invite retirement into their lives. And so that could mean anything from taking an extended break where they can, um, you know, like uh, two or three weeks. I mean, that's not super long if you're in Europe, but in America, that's a long time away from work um, to, to, you know, go check out a place that you might want to retire to. Um, or that could mean, um starting to find new hobbies that you're interested in. Um, it could mean going down to part-time work for, for um, a, a time um, prior to retirement so that you kind of have a transition rather than it be a hard stop.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think these are, um, you yeah, know, these are all, I guess, questions I think that everybody kind of starts to need to think about a little bit earlier than they do. Right. I mean, bottom line is it, it, the other thing is I don't think it's psychologically good, uh, for people to go from like doing a lot to nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I think that's a real problem. Um, and I've seen it before where, you know, people are super happy at work and then they think they just need to retire. And then boy, they just completely realize that, you know what, the camaraderie that they had at work and the, you know, the friends and the, routines that they had is all gone and and it's is it really better to be doing nothing every day well if you have you think about it ahead of time maybe you'll have some plans on how you're going to actually fill that time as well right
1: Mm -hmm. the going from a structured life to a life without structure is just very very difficult um disorienting right yes uh and so uh and it's something where if you haven't thought about it before it can be hard to realize that that's, that's going to be facing you and that's going to be problematic.
0: Well um, anyway, so the book uh, again uh, is the five years before you retire retirement planning when you need it the most. Um, Emily, thanks so much for being on wealth formula podcast today.
1: Uh, Thank you for having me.
0: Be right back. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. Kind of a downer, right? But again, you know, you have to uh, you have to take everything that's happening happening now into a bigger context. It's a bigger context of you know economies and markets. They go up and they go down, and we're not immune. We just had a very very long period of time, you know, since two thousand eight that that we have not experienced these kinds of things. So, you know, it always comes as a surprise and. You know, I I think that that's uh, that's kind of what's going on now, and I think it's important to just kind of brace yourselves and know that you know, then another another day comes, and the next you know you're back in business, and you know everybody gets on the bandwagon again, and you know these kind of experiences just makes you stronger though, so. I will say that I'm, I'm, I'm quite convinced at this point that uh, a lot of bad stuff is coming our way. So just be braced for it uh, and uh, we'll, we'll get through this. That's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, Consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.